Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to this week's episode of Mid Liberty. I'm your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. Thank you for joining us this week, and thank you for being a part of our community. I appreciate your listenership and your audience participation with uh, with this program. Uh, we really are building something quite unique and, and, and quite formidable, and I really appreciate um, you, you joining us in, in this journey. Uh, this week, we are kind of touching on a similar theme to what we touched on last week, but I want to take a little bit of a different direction with it. Um, last week, we, we touched on private disaster relief in the wake of Hurricane Harvey, and how the the private sector truly can provide for the, the things that we typically think this is the government's job, when in fact it's not really the government's job to do uh, private disaster relief or just disaster relief in general. Um, this week I want to touch on some similar themes because right around the time that Hurricane Harvey was going on, there was a big controversy um, concerning uh, something that... I enjoy to talk about, and it's something that nearly every libertarian that you will ever encounter with will enjoy talking about, and that is, of course, economics. Um, yes, we're very odd children uh, to actually enjoy talking about the the rise and growth of the marketplace. Um, and with with Hurricane Irma coming uh, very quickly, this this conversation is is not closing anytime soon. And please, before we get into this conversation, because there there is more important things um, than this, and I tried to touch on that last week before we really had a, a really good glimpse of what Hurricane um, Irma was going to to be like, but. Uh, as I said last week, please be safe. Please um, take care of the people who are around you, especially if you're in Florida. Uh, get out of that state while you can right now um, because this this storm is certainly shaping up to be unlike anything we have seen in a very, very long time. Um, so, so please watch out for each other. Take care of each other. Uh, and... Uh, just just make sure that that your neighbors and your fellow man are being taken care of as we as we enter into this into the storm. Um, now, with that being said, and please uh, go back last week also before before we move on. I, I also want to touch on this real quick too. Please go back last week, listen to last week's episode. We had a good uh, episode on a story about private disaster relief and how effective it can truly be. Um, because we touched on a story in our history that I think really, truly illustrates that to the T with how passionate, how heartfelt, um, and how effective uh, Americans can be whenever they join together, join arms, and and do something for good, for, for the betterment of humanity. Um, and of course, that was the story of the Johnstown Flood of, of 1889 and how that can apply to today. Um, now, at the end of that, I listed off a few different uh, charities and organizations that you can go, uh, go donate to. I won't spend too much time on that since I already already did it uh, last week, but please go back to last week's episode if you haven't yet. Um, uh, many of the same charities, will, I, I am certain, will be going to, to help in the aftermath of, of Hurricane uh, Irma. 
and please if you haven't yet please go donate to those so that way you can be a part of of this community that we're trying to build that is a community not only of liberty lovers but a community of 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 people and of of human beings who care about each other now getting into this week's episode i want to really touch on um why it's being more passionate and being more emotional doesn't necessarily make you right and and this is a major message that i try to communicate mostly to the to the left on economic affairs even though the right has their fair share of of faults in this area this regard as well um but uh, especially in in the area of what we're going to be talking about today this is certainly a message that the left could uh could pick up on and be valuable valuable about and if there's one thing that i have repeated over and over and over again if there's one theme that i really want to to get across it's that your moral outrage it doesn't make you more right and it doesn't make you more compassionate in fact ignoring the facts in the wake of something that when when the answer is right there in front of you and say you say that no i don't like that because it doesn't look the way i imagine um hospit uh hospitality and 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 caring and and things like that it doesn't fit that mold it doesn't fit my narrative of the way i imagine helping people so i don't like that that doesn't make you more compassionate and ignoring the facts ignoring the laws of economics uh ignoring the the laws of supply and demand it doesn't make you more compassionate in fact your emotion driven um your your emotion driven arguments when they are actually applied and initiated they often harm the very people not only more people but the very people that you say that you are trying to help and that's what i want to touch on uh this week we're going to go over price gouging we're going to go over price control um, and we're going to go over the forgotten human variable that, that for some reason, nobody seems to remember whenever we're looking at situations like this. Now, during Hurricane Harvey um, and immediately afterwards in, in the aftermath of it, everybody that you would see on social media would have this sort of um mindless virtue signaling effect that that they were trying to for some reason just show everyone that they care the most about people so they want to reject all laws of economics when those laws of economics would in fact help the very people that they want uh, helped it's it's like they're 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 attention whores almost and and who could be the more compassionate one by completely abandoning any logic, any reasoning, any sensibilities that is within our, our our own human nature. And while yes, it is true that our our emotion, the you know, emotion's not a bad thing. It's what drives us at the end of the day. Logic is fantastic. I love logic. I love reason. But it doesn't drive people the way that emotions do. And that's a big hurdle that libertarians really have to get over because we're really bad at it. 
we're really bad at trying to connect with people on an emotional level. We are really good at, at numbers. We're really good at at showing people why things are the way things are, and in a very controlled, very passive environment, we're really effective at that, and, and we can really communicate that very well. But it's when it's when a crisis happens, when there's an emergency, when there's a disaster, when there's a tragedy. That is when emotion overtakes people. That is when there's almost no no use using uh, logic. There is a use, and I am getting into that. But on the surface, it seems like there's almost no use at all using any form of logic. Um, and that's because people will just drown it out. They they will not accept it. They will say. This has to happen because look at these people in the immediate right here and now because they are suffering. They need help. We need to help them. So immediately they look at, at what's happening. They look at water being sold at $50 a case. Uh, and that's obviously uh, uh, different numbers, different prices at, uh, at different places. But... Water being sold at, at anywhere between $25 to $50 a case in, in many places near around Houston. Um, and they look at that and they say, how outrageous. People are trying to profit off of other people's misery. And on the surface, that looks like it's exactly what's happening. Libertarians have to really become better at this. And while other shows have really touched on and they've, they've really... You know, other other podcasts, they've really touched on um, price gouging. They've touched on why it's better. And I'm going to touch on a lot of those same themes and a lot of the same um, arguments. But the, the big thing that I want to make sure that you walk away from is the moral and emotional argument that you can make to people when talking about um, price gouging. But it doesn't have to stop price gouging. You can talk about it with minimum wage, with regulations, with healthcare, with whatever it is. Tariffs, uh, protectionism on the right side of, of, of the aisle, uh, whatever it is. The free market, and this is something that libertarians have to get better at, and this is something I want my show to really spearhead. Libertarians have to get better at making the moral and emotional argument for free market enterprise. That it is the only answer and the only way forward. Yes, we can all say, well, this, you know, if, if you are, uh, you know, this is just the law of supply and demand. That when, when this goes up and then, and then uh, and supply goes down and demand goes up, then automatically prices are going to go up. Well, yeah, technically that's true. And that that is what we're going to touch on here. However, that doesn't address the human issue, the issue of human suffering. Yeah, explains why things are happening the way things are happening, but why does that actually help the people that is actually suffering? Now, uh podcasts like the Jason Stapleton program. Um, Jason is, of course, somebody who we had on here earlier in the summer, back in June. Um, 
the Tom Woods show and, and things like that, some libertarian podcasts that I, I enjoy listening to. They've touched on some of this, but I, I am really trying to hit that emotion and moral-driven arguments home with you today because that, at the end of the day, while in libertarian circles we understand the numbers, we understand the logical side of things, we understand the um, uh, the why why things are happening, the way things are happening. We're really good at that as libertarians. And, and sure, that's, that's great to talk within our inner circle in that capacity, but to connect with people, that's why I had the story of the Johnstown flood last week. Because those kind of stories will actually connect with people. That will dissolve the emotion barrier and then you can apply the logic. Now you see, then you can say, now you see this, why uh, in, in Johnstown this happened because of the free market. It's important that we start off with that. It's important that we hit the nail over the head with that. But before I, I really get into that side of it, I do kind of want to, to build from the ground up to you, since you are uh, kind of the libertarian in in the libertarian circles, um, those of you in this audience, I I can start from the ground up with this, but it's important to remember that it's very hard to do that when when arguing with people who are very emotion driven from the get go, especially during a crisis. Now there are plenty of reasonings as to why. Um, this happens the way it happens. But first of all, it's important to look at things from the very beginning. And that is, I want to look at this from a, a natural rights standpoint. Then I want to look at it from a, uh, an economic standpoint. And then I want to look at it at the moral standpoint. All three of these have the answers on our side. We are right on this. I can confidently say that. I can confidently tell you that. We have the right answers. But you have to understand every single step of this to be able to communicate it very well. The first thing, and, and this is something that uh, Jonathan uh, Haidt, I, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He's a psychologist. He's, he speaks about this all the time to groups of libertarians. He, I know he was at the International Students for Liberty conference um, just in this past February, I believe, uh, talking to libertarians about, about this very thing. Not price gouging, but, but the way that libertarians communicate with people. It's why libertarians are so good in think tank environments and, and, and policy papers and white papers. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to communicate it better than just that. We have to look at things better than just the numbers, and that's what I'm trying to do with you here on this program. Um, first of all, let's look at things from a very natural rights standpoint. And it should be said that water, and, and we're going to, I'll be referencing water. This could be applied to fill in the X, but water is kind of the the big controversy right now because there are pictures all over the place of water being sold for $42.99 or whatever it is. So I'll be saying water for, for the sake of argument, but just know that you could fill in the blank. You could replace water with X and fill in the blank and it would still apply. Um, 
Water is not a right. That That's the first thing that has to be said. Water is not a right. You don't have a right to a bottle of water. Okay? You especially don't have a right um, to tell somebody else how much they can sell their water. Mind you, this is their water. It's not your water until you purchase it. Then it becomes your property. But water, especially bottled water, is property. And we have to look at it as such. This has to be the the biggest thing that I have hit over the head over and over and over again because it applies to so many things, yet we forget this every time. This is the very first standpoint that, that we have to go forward on. Water is not a right. Is it a need? Yes, but it's a resource. Anytime you have resources or goods or services, while they may be needed, while they may benefit people as a whole, they are not rights. The only rights you have are natural rights. And then there are, uh, there are a few rights that are not necessarily positive rights, but they are a little bit more than negative rights. They're kind of in the mushy, the mushy middle where you have uh, legal rights. But that's not something we'll go over in this episode. That's an entirely another episode that we'll touch on. For the sake of this argument, when you're you're talking about resources, when you're talking about goods and services, those aren't rights. And I I have to I have to chuckle, kind of like depressingly chuckle, but chuckle nonetheless at the people who who make the argument to say that it's it's wrong it's it's immoral it's evil to to take advantage of people's misery in this way um as if uh one as if as as if they don't think it would be it would be better to reach people if they had the the same amount of ply they would make more money if it was cheaper if they had the amount of ply to to fuel that demand. It would just make more economic sense that way from a business perspective. But also from a from a rights perspective, why is it somehow more morally acceptable from from those who constantly virtue signal us? Why is it more morally acceptable to for for a a business owner to hoard his water, to hold it back, or for even you. If, if you're in Florida uh, this weekend and you have cases upon cases of water because you prepared, because you saw this hurricane and you immediately went to the grocery store and you bought as much water as possible, why is it more morally acceptable, despite the fact that you might not need it? Why is it more morally acceptable to hoard that off, to block it off from everyone as opposed to saying, you know what, I, I'm willing to, to trade this with you. If you give me this amount of money, it's at least acceptable to society. At that point, the government says, wait, hold up. You're allowed to keep it for yourself. Keep all of it for yourself. And that's that's what ultimately a lot of people are going to be doing. You're allowed to keep all of it for yourself. But the minute you uh, stamp a price on this, you better make it within the realm of what we call acceptable pricing. Why is that 
Why, why is hoarding it more acceptable than actually selling it? Actually making it available for people to purchase. I've never, I, I, I really don't understand that. At the end of the day, there is no difference. Why? Because until you make that purchase, it's not your property. You don't have the right to that. And the government doesn't have the right to tell businesses what price is acceptable and what price isn't. Speaking of which, how the hell do they come to the conclusion about what price is acceptable and what price isn't? Why is... Um, why, why is, uh, 42.99 not acceptable, it, but just a little bit less would be, is, that, that doesn't make any sense. At what threshold does it break? At what penny is a penny too much, is my question. Now, in, in a very natural setting, in a very marketplace setting, I know the answer to that. The answer is, whatever people are willing to pay. But the government cannot possibly come up with a very with a good explanation to that because there is no right explanation. There is no right answer. You can't tell me that a, a penny more than what you say is acceptable is just outrageous and a penny less is completely fine. Why? That makes absolutely no sense. Now people will say the law of supply and demand that happens, yeah, that, that goes up, that goes down, um, but whenever it goes up like 300% or whatever, that's price gouging. Well, I have to laugh at this first of all because the, the um, prices that it's, it's reaching, when you break it down to bottle per bottle instead of as a case, people will look at a case. We, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of ADD here, but we don't have, we are so entitled because of capitalism, it's really a blessing and a curse because we have gotten to the point where we are looking at just absolute blessings to society that capitalism has provided for us. And if we don't have that all the time, then we absolutely lose it. We, we flip out if, if we don't have everything at the prices that we're absolutely used to. Why is it that a case um, that is like $42 or $50, when you break it down, it, it still equates to about $2 a bottle? That's not okay for some reason. When it's in a hurricane area, when it's in um, you know Houston, when it, whenever Houston is all flooded. However, that is okay to sell, I don't know, $3 a bottle at Disney World. When that itself is actually even more. It, on a normal day, it's more expensive to purchase bottles of water in Disney World than it is in Houston after they just got hit by a Category 4 hur a hurricane. How in the world is that more acceptable? Because everyone just accepts it. It's part of the norm. The minute things get out of the norm... We just say, oh well, you know, this is this is this is this has to be fixed because this isn't right. This isn't normal. So immediately we say somebody has to fix this, not using any of our mind, not using anything um, between our ears. 
Now, I'm not saying I'm not blaming the people who have a very emotional response. I am blaming the people who react to this emotional response, the people who can actually do something about this emotional response. The legislatures, like in Texas, those who are who claim to be very conservative, who say that they are, I mean, Texas, come on, it's Texas. <laughs> I mean, uh, Texas is supposed to be a conservative safe haven. Supposed to be. But yet their attorney general doesn't understand the laws of supply and demand, apparently, because they are going out saying that they are going to prosecute people uh, now that they've seen all these pictures and their, and their heartstrings have been tugged and everything like that. They're saying they're going to prosecute people who uh, who who ha- are selling bottles of water for that much money? That's ridiculous. You can't. Why why is that okay? But when price uh, gas prices go up, that's not okay. You can apply literally anything else, and it makes absolutely no sense. Anything else whatsoever, it makes absolutely no sense. Now, yeah, you know, overnight is is a lot, but it's still when you have a disaster. Those things don't exactly aren't part of the norm. In areas where they are part of the norm, you you see where the market works. And in areas where um, people might be a little bit more used to those kind of events, then then the market actually works out. But in Houston, where they haven't seen this kind of flooding in years. They all flip out and say the market has failed us. There has been a catastrophe. We can't let the market dictate the prices. Why not? Because what you are doing is actually immoral. What you are doing is actually harming the very people you are trying to help. Why are you saying that business owners, the ones who actually own the water, it's their private property... You are saying you can't sell it for what is actual what the price actually is. So 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 for the attorney general of Texas or Florida, and we're getting to that very shortly, and how ironic um, a, a certain situation in Florida has been. Um, but for a, a an attorney general in Texas, it is more acceptable for you to keep all your water for yourself than set up on the side of the road and set up cases of water that you have that you are selling because it's your private property and it's what you want to do with it you were saying that is more acceptable or excuse me it's it's less acceptable to sell it for what price you want as opposed to hoarding it all and nobody except for you gets it that makes no sense not to mention why exactly are we forcing people why are, why are we forcing prices to be normal when supply is going down? That implies that you are saying that either um, you're going to hurt economically or you need to get people who are coming into a danger zone to fulfill your uh, supply. Because truck drivers aren't going to deliver water when there's a hurricane there. I mean, yeah, you have charity, and yeah, you have this and that, but but truck drivers, um, and and people who actually regularly supply these these things to these stores aren't going to fulfill that supply when there's a hurricane there. 
that would be putting their lives in jeopardy. We forget about that. We forget about why people aren't fulfilling this supply to meet with the demand. Not to mention, why is it okay for prices to say the exact same for those uh, after a hurricane hits or during a hurricane, during the disaster, when everyone else who um, did prepare got it for that much, if not a little bit more, than what you're allowing the water to sell now. That is basically incentivizing people, and, it's, and this is why it's so dangerous, is that is incentivizing people to say, you know what, I don't have to worry about price gouging. I don't have to worry about stocking up or preparing myself for disaster. This personal sense of responsibility, this personal sense of preparedness, I don't have to worry about that because the government's big brother is going to step in, swoop in, and say, hold up, business. You can't do that with your private property because we say that's immoral because all these people who we told to get out who didn't get out we're going to say that they don't really have to abide by the laws of supply and demand here now. Despite the fact that supply is dramatically decreasing, demand is dramatically going up, especially in a hurricane. These, these aren't normal uh, circumstances. That's kind of the point of why, why prices skyrocket so suddenly. It's because these are not normal circumstances. It's not like it's it's a sunny day and prices automatically do this. That encourages and incentivizes people to take as little preparation as possible. If they think they can get away with it, they're going to because that's human nature. That's not I don't blame those people for doing that. I don't blame people for doing that at all. I do blame because that's that's just human nature. I do blame, however, government for not looking at all of human nature and saying this is how things naturally have to happen. Why? Because when you start ignoring the laws of supply and demand, that hurts people. It harms people. It harms the very people that you are supposed to be helping, that you want to help, the weakest among you. The argument, and now this is the, the third part of the argument, we, we touched on the, the rights perspective, the property rights perspective, which is so imperative because everything ultimately will narrow down to that, give or take a few things. Everything will ultimately narrow down to what is a property right. Is this your property right or is it not? Then we look at this, uh, the law of supply and demand. We covered that. Now I want to look at the moral argument and why the law of supply and demand works the way that it does. It works not because it's cruel, not because the uh, economy is this cruel beast um, or that uh, business owners are just these vicious individuals who want to profit off of other people's misery. It's not because of any of that. It is very immoral to impose price control. Why? We tend to condemn the, the self-interest of, of the gougers, if you will, uh, yet not that of the, of the consumer. You see, whenever the, the argument is that, 
Well, if if you have these really outrageous prices, then only the wealthy are going to be able to to purchase it, and they'll purchase it all, and then the poor people will get none of it. Well, isn't that exactly what's happening? Price control enables scarcity. Price gouging, quote-unquote, it protects from it. Whenever you have cases of water at $5 a pack, then everybody is going to go after it, despite the fact that they may be stocked up. They're going to see water and be like, oh my gosh, I better get some more than what I need, or oh my gosh. And not to mention that not every use of water is life or death. People use water to cook their food. People use water um, to to for all sorts of things, for bathing, so things that aren't definitely in peril. That if you don't have this water right now, then you're going to die. That's not what people are getting water for all the time, especially in disaster situations. Price gouging helps prevent human nature from occurring. It helps prevent the very selfish, greedy kind of human nature that you want to prevent from. It's not that the rich are going to purchase all the water. It's that they are going to be more mindful because when it's expensive to them, or when, excuse me, when it's expensive to you, it's expensive to them too. It may not be as expensive, but it's still expensive to them. You don't think that they would prefer water at $5 uh, a pack as opposed to $42 a pack as well. They have the means to purchase the entire crate of water if it's only $5. If they're taking four packs of water at $42, uh, $42 a pack, what do you think they're going to do whenever it's $5 or $3 or $2? Whatever the government, whatever their arbitrary number that they have devised and composed, that's not going to prevent rich people uh, from from getting these excesses of water, it's going to enable them to do just that. And poor people who supposedly can't afford, in a life or death situation, they can't afford, uh, or or they don't have the the good sense to to appropriately budget for what they actually need during a time of crisis. There's a reason why. Um, why electronics and things like that don't go up the same way that uh, in in times of disasters the way that water does because people don't need water or excuse me people don't need electronics the way that they need water water becomes like gold in a disaster in an emergency in a tragedy we see that we see that happen all the time so when the market responds to it that's not the market being greedy it's protecting from the very people who you think are going to do you harm when you see what cases of water at 42 dollars a pack you if that was me in in houston if that was me in um uh, miami i and i see 42 dollars a pack of water i'm going to get as much as i can and I'm going to spend nothing else except for what I absolutely need in that kind of a scenario. And as much as I can is going to be enough to meet my needs. A lot of people, um, if it was $5 a pack, will gobble up the entire crate because it's so freaking cheap 
when they don't even need half the water, but they're getting it so they can meet their their bathing uh, needs and their and their cooking needs and all these other things that have nothing to do with survival. That's what happens when you enable people through price control. Price control is immoral. It is it is not right. It's the same thing that happens with minimum wage. It's the same thing that happens when you try to regulate healthcare, when you try to regulate the market in any possible way. The very people that you're trying to help ends up being the exact people that you end up hurting. That is what we have to communicate to people. It's not we have to we have to break down the logical and the statistics and all this like oh well we have to stop being policy wonks for just just a second and start looking at things from a human perspective and saying you know what you're doing uh texas legislature you know what you're doing florida attorney general when you start making laws against price gouging you are harming the poor and needy because you think when and when water's at $5 a pack, you think rich people aren't going to come up and buy the entire crate. That is foolish. And guess what? That's exactly what happened in Florida. That is exactly what happened because they came up ahead of time before the hurricane uh, before Hurricane Irma hit and said, "We are standing firmly against price gouging. If you see this, We want you to report it, and we're going to prosecute these people. Well, guess what happened? What happened is that the hurricane hasn't even hit yet at the the time of the release of this episode. The hurricane hasn't even hit yet, and stores are already running out of water. (laughs) Weird. It's, it's It's like the laws of supply and demand still apply. The laws of economics don't change just because governments want them to just because florida wants it to just because texas wants it to strange isn't it now we see stores when they actually have some supplies when they actually have a lot of supplies they immediately run out because that is exactly what's happened people will get more than they need whenever it's at an affordable price you're not helping anyone. You're not helping the poor. You are harming them. Now people who desperately need water, who actually can't get out of Florida, they are going to be hurt because of price gouging. Or excuse me, because of price control to try to prevent price gouging. I want to read something uh, from an article. Uh, not the entire article. I'll, I'll be linking this into the show notes. But I think this is a really fantastic article about uh, how price gougers you know, quote unquote price gougers, really they're just just people following the basic laws of supply and demand. They're not actually gouging prices. It's it's basic economics. But price gougers actually help solve the problem of scarcity. That's the title of the uh, of the article. It's on Fee Foundation of Economic Education by uh, Tom Mulland. I'll read this this section of it. Emotions run high during disasters, which uh, simultaneously can be a double-edged sword. The outpouring of sympathy for the victims for victims of, of disasters lead to extraordinary efforts of assistance, which is, of course, something that we, we touched on earlier in this program and on last week's episode. Uh, but it also leads to irrational resentment of those uh, whose actions are often vital to human survival but whose motives 
are judged inferior. These are, of course, the aforementioned price gougers. I'll be linking to this article because I, I really want you to read it, but that, that's exactly what this is. We have to break the barrier of the emotional reaction, not with numbers, not with logic and, and reason the way that libertarians typically do it, but you have to couple logic and reason with the with the sympathy and understanding that comes with a remote uh, with an emotional response when you're cold when you are this policy wonk white paper libertarian that says well actually people are going to shut you out people are going to reject you they're going to reject what you have to say because they don't care because they think you don't care about anyone they don't think you have a heart you have to show them that yes i do have a heart we have to show them through story. We have to th show them um, through emotion and through through moral, through morality, and then back it up with the logic that we all know to be true. That's the lesson for this program for this week. Now, like I said uh, in the beginning of the show, please, above all else, if, if you take absolutely nothing away from this episode, please, if you're in Florida, be safe. Please be safe, because this is going to be a disastrous storm, um, and I, I really don't want to hear about about any any of our listeners or any friends of mine getting hurt because they were too pickheaded or too libertarian to to <laughs> to go do something that they were told. Please get to a safe area and and hunker down for a few days and and just keep yourself safe because this is going to be one mother of a storm. Uh, now, I also want to preview the next few weeks, uh, if you will, so please hold hold tight for a sec. The show's almost over, then you can go about the rest of your day, um, and you can forget my, my annoying voice for just a little bit more. And uh, next week we are going to be having, next week is Constitution Week. Um, and I really want to capitalize on that, and that's what we'll be, we'll be doing with a few of our podcasts, since I... And the podcast uh, director here at Outset, I, I have a, a little bit of authority in, <laughs> in programming. Um, so we're going to be having a few a few specials on on uh, in relation to Constitution Week next week. Um, but here on the Liberty, we will be doing an episode on uh, libertarianism and the founding fathers and how how libertarian were the founding fathers. And this is an episode. I'm really excited to, to do because it's one that I, I love talking about and and um, and love talking about the, the great system that they gave us and there'll be a lot to get into next week. So it's it's a don't miss next week. Also next week, um, if you haven't been paying attention to anything outside of this show, Outset, it has a brand new fall lineup this week. It's fantastic. We have Benjamin Green, uh, a second look with Benjamin Green on Monday. On Tuesday, we have uh, Brightside with, with Blake Hudson. Those are some, Benjamin is a returning host and Blake is a brand new host. And then on Friday, every Friday uh, for the fall lineup, we have a brand new show, show called The Bigger Picture where we will be doing a lot of the same stuff that we do here on this show in the sense of storytelling, except it will just purely be about stories from our past to guide us into um, where our future may lay. And so next week we will be uh, again touching on the theme. I will be hosting next week's episode of The Bigger Picture this week. 
Uh, Stephen Perkins will be hosting um, the bigger picture this week. But next week uh, we'll be doing one on the Constitutional Convention and the and the and the formation of the Constitution. And then the week after that on Mill Liberty, Stephen Perkins will be uh, joining us. He just filled in for me just a few weeks ago, but he will be our uh, interview guest for the month of September. And I am very, very excited to bring Stephen on this program in that sort of format so that we can really sit down and discuss a lot of the things that I've been getting, letting him get away with a lot of stuff that he's not going to be getting away with on this episode. So it's it's a not miss episode um and like i said uh next week please join us for a very fun episode about the founding fathers one of my personal favorite subjects and of course you could follow me on twitter at caleb franz you can follow the show on twitter at mill liberty again please please be safe if you're in florida uh please hunker down and, and shelter yourself from the storm um and if you haven't uh, please go uh, and and like us and, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a, a five-star rating and a review. Let us know how we're doing here on this program and on all of our shows at Outset Network because we really are building something that we're trying to do that is, is truly incredible, and we have some fantastic things uh, in store for you in the coming weeks. So... Until next week, please uh, come back here next week and, and we'll do this all over again. Until next week, we'll see you.